Support for today's show comes from Locker Room, the best place to talk sports. Make sure to follow me on Locker Room at Jake Reiner, and I'll invite you to chat on my weekly baseball room, uniquely titled Meeting on the Mound. Download Locker Room for free on the Apple App Store today and join the conversation. Welcome to Meeting on the Mound. I'm Jake Reiner. Well, it has been a fantastic first month of baseball, everyone. It is officially back. Really exciting stuff going on. The first month is in the books, and fans, we're back, baby. We're back in the stands. We're cheering. We're rooting. We're booing. We're having a drink. We're having a laugh. It's been awesome. We've seen a couple of no-hitters. We've seen a number of different plays and scenarios that I've never seen before. It also seems like the umpires got together at the beginning of the year and all decided to be terrible. So they are all on the same page. I'm just happy to have somewhat of a normal-looking baseball season again. Last year was so weird. We needed it, though. We needed it last year. Definitely needed it because there was that huge break after the first spring training came around. It was a huge pause, and then we got it back, and I was just happy to be watching baseball. But 2021 is more like the baseball I'm used to watching, and I'm I'm pumped. Hope you are as well. There have been a few surprises, though, over the first month of this season, one of them being the Kansas City Royals, which I've talked about in this podcast before. They are leading the AL Central, and entering Friday, they were leading the majors for the best record for the fourth straight day. Then they dropped below the Red Sox after Friday's games. But that four-day run, according to MLB.com, was the Royals' longest stretch leading the majors in winning percentage this late in a season, we're only a month in, since they did so for 33 straight days from August to September in 1980. That is according to the Elias Sports Bureau. Also, the last time Kansas City led its division entering the month of May was 2015, when the team went on to win the World Series. So if that is the start of something to come for Kansas City, that is pretty exciting there. The Oakland A's, I've also talked about them on this podcast. They were an abysmal team for the first six games. They were 0-6. They eventually got to 1-7, but then they ripped off 13 games in a row, and now they are at the top of the AL West going into Saturday, so that's cool. The Yankees appeared to be lost at the plate. They still are finding their way, but they're starting to come around, so that is good news for New York Yankees fans. Their pitching has been a little suspect, and I think they'll eventually get it together. I think that's what one thing that people need to realize is that this is 162 games, folks. I know it's been a year since we've experienced something like that, but if you are a fan of a team like I am with the Dodgers and they are struggling right now, if you are a fan of any of those teams that had high hopes and are underperforming, just wait. It's a long, long season. And I know these games count just as much as they count at the end of the season in terms of wins and losses, but this is a long season for a reason and teams go through these stretches. And so just have patience. I think we need to, that's what we need to remember to have patience because last year 
we basically, you know, said goodbye to patience. It was only 60 games, so you needed to win as many games as possible. You needed to stay hot for the entire season and for the postseason. But now that we're back to a regular 162, let's just chill out for a little bit. Speaking of the Dodgers, they started out like a house on fire. They were the best team in baseball, and now they can barely put runs on the board. And if you were to tell me at the beginning of the season that by May 1st, the San Francisco Giants would be leading the NL West by a half game, I would have said you're crazy. But that's exactly what's going on right now. Entering Saturday, the San Francisco Giants have put it together. They are leading the NL West. And boy, who would have thought that? I mean, their starting rotation, if you look at it on paper, looks like nothing special. But all five of those guys have been terrific. ERAs under three, which is unreal. But yeah, I mean, if you told me at the beginning of the season that the San Diego Padres were going to be leading the division, I would have said, okay, that makes sense. They were expect you were you expected them to be at the top of the NL West, but they're actually third, and the Dodgers are second. So interesting things going on there. Also, love the the new budding rivalry between the Dodgers and Padres. That has been really cool to watch throughout the first month of the season. They've already played each other seven times. They're going to be playing each other a total of 19 times. So get ready, grab the popcorn, and get pumped for that. The Red Sox looked like they were going to have another disappointing season like they did in 2020, but they have turned things around and are now at the top of the AL East. The NL East is surprisingly mediocre. And I say that because I thought the NL East was going to be one of the toughest divisions. It still could be that way. But as it stands right now, going into Saturday, the Philadelphia Phillies are at the top of the NL East, which I never would have thought. But they're only 12-12. and So the leader of the division is at 500. So that should tell you something about how much the NL East is underperforming right now. I know the Mets are just miffed by how bad Francisco Lindor has been. Um, Jacob deGrom has been terrific. He's not getting any run support, but like we mentioned in the last episode of this podcast, he has been raking at the plate and saying, you know what? If you guys aren't going to score runs for me, I'm going to do it myself. The Mets are going to be good. Don't worry about them. They will figure it out. But the the Washington Nationals are are right there. They're starting to, you know, turn things around as well there in, in D.C. And the Phillies are going to be right there. I think this is going to be a tight race no matter what. If the NL East is going to continue to underperform, it's going to be tight. But I think that these teams are are going to be so much better by the end of the season. The Braves have been wildly mediocre. They are just awful this season. But I think that with some of their guys that are coming back from injuries, they're going to they're going to start to figure it out. It's a weird division. Let's talk about some stars though that have emerged thus far during this young 2021 season, one of them being Shohei Otani. He is putting on a show in Anaheim. The Angels as a team aren't playing that well, but they have the luxury of having not only Shohei Otani pitch and hit for them, but watching Mike Trout literally tear up the league once again. Everybody thought that, oh, you know, we could be seeing a new number one overall in baseball, but... Boy, Mike Trout has proved all of those haters wrong. He is leading the league in pretty much every offensive category, if not at in the top five of every major offensive category in baseball. But let's get back to Shohei Otani. 
Pitching wise, he's 1 0 with a 3.29 ERA. Batting wise, he's hitting 283 with a 972 OPS, which is really good. Eight home runs tied for second in Major League Baseball, 19 RBIs, and three stolen bases. What he's been able to do is, I mean, since Babe Ruth, we haven't seen something like this. I mean, and 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 when you think about Babe Ruth, that was a long time ago. Uh, the fact that he started out as a pitcher and then turned into an outfielder. Shohei Otani is trying to do both for the entirety of his career. It was a little touch and go there for a couple seasons. He had Tommy John surgery. Didn't look like this pitching thing was going to pan out. But he is as healthy as he's ever been, which is terrific for him. Terrific for baseball. He's hitting the crap out of the ball as well. He had that one game against the White Sox where he threw over 100 miles an hour and then came up in the in the bottom half of the inning and hit a hit a rocket out of Angel Stadium at like 115 miles an hour off the bat. So he has been unreal this year. The next guy I want to talk about is Yermin Mercedes. Whoa. This rookie started out on fire 8 for 8 to start his rookie campaign, but he has kept up the hot hitting. He is 5th in the majors in OPS at 1.13. He has been incredible. He's also hitting 415. That's his batting average with 5 home runs and 16 RBIs. He is not slowed down and he he looks terrific, uh, especially for the White Sox who have also underperformed. They're at the top of the AL Central, but they're behind uh, the Kansas City Royals right now. Their bullpen has been terrible. I mean, you think about Liam Hendricks, who they signed in the offseason to be their guy. He has been just atrocious. Jesse Winker, the outfielder for the Cincinnati Reds, is sixth in the majors in OPS, right behind Ramin Mercedes, entering Saturday at 1.093. He's hitting 370 with six home runs and 16 RBIs. I'm sure you've heard of Shohei Otani. Obviously, you have. But your main Mercedes and Jesse Winker, you may not have heard of if you are a casual baseball fan. So I just want to, you know, keep tabs on guys that you may not be seeing every single day if you're not following those teams. So those are the three guys I wanted to touch on briefly. But Byron Buxton is the fourth guy that I want to touch on because he's pretty much come out of nowhere. He is known for his stellar defense, which has not slumped because defense doesn't slump ever in Major League Baseball. He has continued to be a star center fielder for the Minnesota Twins, but this guy was the Twins' number two overall pick in 2012. He is 27 right now. He's turning 28 in December, and he's playing like a top prospect. I mean, he's now a veteran player, but he's playing to the potential that I guess the Twins wanted him to be at. But, I mean, if you'd looked at his stats up until this season, you would have never guessed that he could go on this type of tear. So, first of all, I just want to start with his stats so far entering Saturday in 2021. He's hitting a cool 420. His OPS is over 1,000 at 1.325. His slugging percentage is 871. He has eight home runs tied. Uh, he's tied with Shohei Otani uh, with a couple other guys for second in Major League Baseball entering Saturday for home runs, 14 RBIs and three stolen bases. The guy is on a tear. He's sitting in the, in the middle of that Minnesota Twins lineup. They have not been playing well collectively as a team. 
but he has been a standout so far, him and Nelson Cruz carrying the load offensively. So like I mentioned, this is Byron Buxton's seventh year in the major leagues, and he, uh, in his six seasons prior to this one, he had a career batting average of 238, and he never hit more than 16 home runs in a season, and he's only drove in 50 runs once in his career, which was in 2017. So if you think about that for a second, the offensive numbers that he's put up so far in 2021 is just no one could have predicted this. I mean, maybe Byron Buxton could have predicted this because I bet you he knows how good he is. And I'm sure the Twins organization knows how good he is. But for the rest of us watching him, he just looked like a guy who had a lot of speed, who could steal some bases, light hitting, defensive minded center fielder. But this guy's put it together. And if he can put up these numbers, I don't expect him to hit 420 the rest of the season because then we're going to, you know, we're, we're getting into the, into the, uh, the Ty Cub, Ted Williams conversation. But if he can continue to rake like he is, then he's going to be uh, a full package. One of the, he could be one of the best center fielders in the game. I mean, you know, you, you, I don't want to get into the, the Mike Trout conversation just yet because that's a little premature, but he's certainly going to be up there if he keeps up, keeps up these ridiculous numbers offensively. So that's Byron Buxton for you. Moving on, I want to talk a little bit about starting pitching. And I think starting pitching has kind of gone to the back burner in a lot of conversations as we talk about baseball today. And what I mean by that is, is that back in the day, which was like a, you know, only just a few years ago, starting pitching was key and you wanted starting pitchers to, you know, go at least six innings, seven innings. You wanted, you know, aces on your staff to be able to, you know, stop winning streaks and shut down the opponent. And you still want that, obviously, but more emphasis has been put on bullpens you no longer have your typical setup man closer. It's you have a bunch of high leverage guys. While there are major league teams out there that have designated closers, you typically want to stack your bullpen nowadays with high leverage guys because your closer can't go out there every single night and shut the door. You're going to need other guys to step up and get some saves. So that is, has sort of led people to think that maybe the starting pitching isn't as valued anymore if you have a an elite bullpen. But man, I don't know if you've taken a look at, at what the Dodgers have been doing or the Giants or the Brewers, but those three teams right there have been carried by their starting pitching. The offense has not really been there for those three teams. They've been good and they've you know, scored enough runs to win, but those teams have starting rotations that have literally carried the, these teams. And it's why you see the Giants at the top of the NL West. It's why you see the Brewers at the top of the NL Central. The Dodgers are only a half game behind the Giants, so that's why they're at the top of the NL West. Without those starting, without starting pitching, those teams would not be where they are today. So it is still important because not only do you need guys to be, you know, good, obviously against other teams, but you need them to eat innings too, because these bullpens are being more taxed now than they've ever been with the addition of the opener. That whole concept or the concept of a bullpen day is 
I mean, you would have never even thought that, you know, five, six years ago, that that is where we would be going. It's crazy. But now with these bullpen days, you're essentially saying we're not going to have, we don't, you know, maybe we want to skip a, a start in the rotation or we don't have a guy that's readily available to fill this spot. So we're going to go an entire game using our bullpen, which is taxing. It really is for a long season, which is why it's so important to have a guy like, let's say, for example, Trevor Bauer against the Brewers. Now, the Dodgers have lost the first two games against the Brewers in their four-game series, but Bauer went eight innings, a complete game on the road. He ended up losing, but he went eight innings because the Dodgers knew that the next day they were going to have, they were going to be doing a scheduled bullpen game. So starters are so important. It is a little bit of a gamble too, because bringing a guy in, even if he is an elite reliever, the chance of him having a bad one inning versus a starter, you know, maybe doesn't have his stuff that night, but has the ability to figure it out over five, six innings is an interesting concept to think about because those relievers are, you're taking a chance on them, bringing them into these situations and they may or may not succeed. So it is vitally important to have both a good starting staff and a good bullpen. And I believe that that combination is what wins championships along with defense too. But you need good starters, especially in the postseason too. It is time for Jake's Jake's. This is a segment I just started last week where I take a look at a Jake around Major League Baseball. And we talk about him a little bit because my name is Jake. Why not? Let's do it. Last week, we talked, well, we spent about two episodes on Jacob deGrom, and rightfully so. There's a lot of things to say about Jacob deGrom, but it gave me the idea to do Jake's Jake's. And so this week, we're going to be talking about Cubs outfielder Jake Marisnik. Jake Marisnik is a 30-year-old six foot four outfielder from Riverside, California. So Southern California guy. He was drafted out of high school in 2009 by the Toronto Blue Jays in the third round. Now he didn't debut for the Blue Jays because he was traded in 2012, which I didn't know that he was a part of this massive trade between the Marlins and the Blue Jays. In 2012, Jake Marisnik was traded along with Adani Echeverria, Henderson Alvarez, Yunel Escobar, Jeff Mathis, Anthony DiScalfani, and Justin Nicolino, who I don't know who that is, in exchange for Mark Burley, Josh Johnson, Jose Reyes, John Buck, and Emilio Bonifacio. Now, that's a big, that's a big trade. Didn't end up doing anything for either team because neither of those teams made it to the World Series or won a World Series. But, I mean, Mark Burley certainly helped the Toronto Blue Jays, not in 2012, not in 2013, not in 2014, but in 2015 when the Blue Jays won the AL East. That was good. But, again, none of these players really meant anything to these two franchises. It just was cool to find out years later that Marisnik was a part of that deal. He eventually made his major league debut with the Miami Marlins 
in 2013, and interesting enough, he was called up the same day as Christian Yelich. Now, Yelich has had a significantly better career than Marisnik, but we're talking about Jake Marisnik right now. So, Marisnik spent a few seasons then with the Astros from 2014 to 2019. He was on that 2017 uh, World Series team and also the 2019 World Series team. He then was traded to the Mets before the 2020 season, and this past offseason signed a one-year deal with the Chicago Cubs. So far, he's having a pretty decent season in 2021. He's hitting 250 with an 872 OPS, two home runs, and 10 RBIs, and one stolen base. Now, this guy is not a starting outfielder, so in a reserve role, he's done quite well for himself. The one thing I did find out that was kind of interesting is that according to MLB.com, his nickname is, quote, Big Fudge, Jake Big Fudge Marisnik. And I'm really happy that I was able to Google this and find out the story behind it because it's actually pretty funny. We mentioned that Jake Marisnik made his debut with the Marlins in 2013. We also mentioned that he was called up at the same time as Christian Yelich, former MVP. But what we did not mention is the fact that Yelich and Marisnik have become really good friends. Apparently one time while Marisnik was with the Marlins, he was on the injured list and he had a tendency to eat a lot of junk food. So Yelich gave him the name Big Fudge because he ate a lot of junk food. And Big Fudge is actually the nickname of a character on the TV show, How I Met Your Mother. Now, I am not a big fan of How I Met Your Mother. I've only seen a couple of episodes and I didn't laugh once. And I got to say that this Big Fudge story for Jake Marisnik is a lot funnier than How I Met Your Mother is collectively. That's a a rant and a hot take for another time, but I just thought I'd lay that egg out there. Finally today, I don't have a lot to say about this, but MLB needs to fix their blackout restrictions. I don't care what they do. Figure it out with the regional networks. That's one of the reasons why they have blackout restrictions is because regional networks have their own broadcasts and they want you to... uh, Tune in, whether it is on DirecTV, satellite, or whoever your cable provider is, and to watch those games in market. But the problem is, is that a number of fans who live outside of the market, but are still within the blackout restrictions, like if you live in like Las Vegas or Iowa or whatever, you can't watch certain games. It's a travesty because if you have fans in states that don't have baseball teams, you want those fans to be watching baseball. Maybe they are a fan of a different team, or maybe by watching baseball, they become a diehard Pittsburgh Pirates fan or whatever. Like, that's how you grow this game. You got to make it available to everyone. And I think MLB.tv is a great service. I subscribe to it. I've been doing it for years because I love being able to check in on all of my you know, favorite teams or just random games, you know, that you can just flip on at any moment. That's the, that's the great thing about that service, but it needs to get rid of those blackout restrictions. They need to figure it out with those regional networks, because if there are a number of fans that can't watch your product, that's an issue. And I know one of the reasons that they, that they have those blackout restrictions, like I mentioned is the regional networks, but they also want people to go to the ballparks. Well, Not everybody is comfortable with going to the ballparks these days, especially since we live through a pandemic. So 
Figure it out, MLB. This is the time to do it. When you have a ton of uncertainty of people that may not feel comfortable being in crowds yet, you want them to be able to visualize your product, to adore your product, and to basically be able to share it with you know friends and family. That's how you get this game to grow. Um, so yeah, let's end those blackout restrictions. Thank you guys so much for joining me for a meeting on the mound. I love doing these segments for you. I love being able to just talk to myself in my apartment. I can talk baseball with anybody. I can talk baseball by myself. It doesn't matter. I can talk to a wall like I'm talking right now, but I'd love to hear from you. You can follow me on Twitter. We have a a, a Twitter account for meeting on the mound, which is M-O-T-M underscore Jake Reiner. You can also follow me uh, on my personal account, which is at Reiner underscore Jake. We're also on Instagram. Please reach out. We're trying to grow this podcast and also please Please let me know if there are some topics or some players or some teams that you would like me to talk about on this podcast because I love learning about different players, different teams. It keeps my mind sharp, keeps me up to date on everything that's going on around the league. And yeah, this is another way we can grow the game, to talk about it, to share it, to fall in love with it again, to really just get into the nitty gritty of who Byron Buxton is and why Jake Marizic is called Big Fudge. That's the stuff that I really love to talk about. Anyway, thank you for joining me. Hope you have a great week. I'll join you again next week. (laughs) 